0: Skype is Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking about depression, and just FYI, I've been working hard this year to get ahead. There's been times in the show that I've missed weeks, there's been times I'm recording the episode like the day it needs to be coming out, and frantically having to rush things, and I've, I've really loved doing this podcast, and I want to do more of them, so I've been really pushing myself this year to uh, to really get ahead. And because of that, some of these episodes, many of these episodes, you're hearing months after they were recorded. And so I remember at the time, I, I don't remember exactly where I was at, like my headspace, maybe I share in the episode, I can't listen back to myself, guys. Whew. You would think, you would think 15 years into doing comedy and podcasting and stuff, and having to be forced to listen to yourself for various uh, projects and editing things and this and that, You you would think that I'd be used to the sound of my voice, but my goodness, no fun, not into it, should listen back to these, absolutely should, don't wanna. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I may mention it, uh, but I think I was, at the time, pretty, as I had, about the worst depression I've had in in a while. I had, like, nine good months, and then I had, I went into this horrible uh, seasonal depression in the winter, and this was recorded, I think I was kind of, like, on my way out. I was still really depressed, but I was like showing little improvements Um, at the time this was recorded. So it was kind of like handy that that was able to be recorded at that time, but I thought I'd give you a little context and thought I'd let you know you might be happy to hear I have been doing real well lately. I've been super happy. I've been taking really good care of myself. I've been getting so into yoga, guys. Oh, man, I am way into yoga and rock climbing and they really lend uh, themselves uh, well to one another and uh, really interesting in terms of just the creative boost, the mindfulness. I, I feel like I'm getting uh, I, I like meditating and I I believe in meditating and I, I don't always stay on top of it and sometimes I go in streaks. And I think it's fairly useful and beneficial and everything else. But I find it to be more challenging and frustrating than uh, in yoga. As I'm getting more used to it, I've, I'm like, oh, this is how meditating is supposed to feel. And this is what it's supposed to be like. And I've just been... Uh, so, yeah, man. I And I I love summertime so much. Gonna avoid I'm gonna avoid winters. I'm gonna switch my tours around and hopefully stand up science uh, continues to do well or or uh, well the hope is is that it will keep increasing in popularity as I'm traveling back to cities. But gonna go to the south for the the summertime to avoid all of that uh, seasonal depression stuff. See if see if that will help isolate some of the root cause of what's going on with some of my mental health stuff and just wanting to be a more balanced person and everything. But so so that's been going well and then I just feel like things have just been clicking and I went through a breakup and it's been like a really good kind of self exploration, transformative. I, I'm not being single is not uh, a normal. I'm a serial monogamous Guy who can't seem to escape getting himself in into these long relationships. It's all good and everything. I just I, I just don't uh, have many times in my life where I'm single and just accountable for myself and planning my own schedule and all. So I've been enjoying that. And then uh, these partnerships with uh, Libro.fm. I've been trying to get an audiobook partnership. For years, and I don't know how I hadn't worked one out earlier than this, but you know, it's the fortunate thing is I found a company that is even better than ones that I was hoping to pair with. Libro.fm is a grass grassroots organization, which, as a grassroots kind of a guy, I'm all about and it's a way of supporting your local independent bookstores. Your downloads are coming through the independent bookstore of your choice, and they're getting the share in the profits, because I want to live in a world where bookstores, uh, where these little independent bookstores still exist, Um, and so it's a way of supporting that. Well, listening to audiobooks, audiobooks absolutely have changed my life. I've been listening to audiobooks for like, I don't know, 8 to 10 years or something like that, I love audiobooks. I I listen to way more audiobooks than regular books. If you're into regular books, not audiobooks, good for you for reading in whatever way that you do it. Go books! So you can go to Libro.fm, offer code, here we are, you get three months for the price of one. That supports me, that supports the show, that supports your local independent bookstore, and supports your continued learning and entertainment and along those lines my new relationship with great courses i'm just super pumped about i have been taking online courses for 7 years or so i've i've uh, 7 or 8 years now i've loved doing them there's a number of different companies out there and great courses is the best they they get the best uh, teachers, and they also, it's just easier to use. You can watch it on your computer, and I often do, but they have an app that you can put on your phone, and you can listen to it in the car or at the gym and what have you, and you can switch it between audio and video. It's Anyway, it's just a fantastic company that I'm super happy to be with at are to get your first month for free and then stand up science I'm I'm like committing to this is a huge transition for me I'm regular stand up comedy is going to be my secondary source of income for the first time in my entire career something I never thought I'd see happening or didn't I had no idea it would be something that I would that I would want but I am just So, into exploring these big ideas and connecting science to the masses, I want to live in a more curious and inquisitive world. I want to live in a world where people on the street are running into each other and having conversations about the meaning of life and what drives our behavior and those sorts of things rather than the same conversations about the weather and the sports all the time. Let's have a few of those. We can still talk about the weather and the sports, guys. uh, That's not going away anytime soon. But how often can you just go up to someone and, and have like a real conversation about the types of things that we talk about on this podcast? And that's what I'm trying to cultivate with Stand Up Science and not more than just a show, I want it to be something that influences people's discussions and, and hopefully people come out they maybe meet more people after the show and maybe make some, some connections to other curious folks that's my big pipe dream, everybody, so, uh, so, yeah, that's, that's everything um, that I've had going on this summer, and things have been going so well that I'll be releasing a bonus fifth episode each month, because I have so many in the bank now, so, that's, uh, things are going great, I would let you know me, I would let you know if they weren't, I am quite open about that, and so, Thank you guys for your continued support, hoping to keep things going and making things better and better as we go. Make sure and go to shanemoss.com and check out the Stand Up Science uh, schedule, which right now includes... Cedar Falls, Des Moines, Wichita, Norman, Oklahoma, outside of Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Missouri, Omaha, Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, and then there's other regular shows coming up as well. I'm doing some stuff in London, in Cornwall, England, in Ozora fest like a Burning Man type thing just outside of Budapest. It's going to be so bonkers, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. If any of you are out there, there's this Breaking Convention um in in London, a psychedelic convention. I I'm really creating uh interesting universe for uh, to live inside of. For myself, so that that's been enjoyable. And this poor Elliott Fest in Cornwall, my goodness! Consider going if you're going. Uh, make sure and write me, and and uh, and maybe we'll we'll say hi. Um, be nice to meet some listeners over there while I'm uh, hanging. Uh, walking around and enjoying the festivities. Also doing the Bumbershoot Festival in Seattle. Going to be doing a stand-up science there, as well as regular stand-up. And I think, maybe, I got to look. I I know I'm doing stand-up science. I believe I'm doing regular stand-up as well. And then uh, Red Clay Comedy Festival in Atlanta coming up. Going to be doing um, A Good Trip Uh, and going to be doing a couple other things there, I believe, regular stand-up and stuff, and then uh, putting together my fall calendar, hoping to get uh, everywhere, and then, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let you know as as things come in, but hoping to keep stand-up science touring all around the country for uh, the foreseeable future. So that's everything that I'm working on and I would love it if you guys got a chance to catch us stand up science or spread the word about some of the cities that I'm going to be at, that that sort of thing. Always super helpful. Again, check out Libro.fm. Check out the great courses plus slash here we are. Oh, man, I've been learning so much through the great courses plus it, this. is. I know this is a long intro, guys, but let me just here it is. I just finished this course. It was so good the the teacher was really great and the concept was just terrific it was uh oh, here, here it is no excuses um existentialism and the meaning of life i i've never uh i've never really dove into believe it or not philosophy that much um but shane you are a philosopher i know i know but i've never actually uh really uh, really studied philosophy and it was uh super cool all the stuff that I that I like thinking about and hearing the history of of some of the thought it's really interesting listening to some of the, some of the old philosophers and thinking like what if they knew the things about like evolutionary psychology and biology or something that we know today i bet uh, they they would have had some very, very different things to say in many regards. Um, but, uh, yeah, really fascinating stuff. There's so many options for a million different um, classes and categories and stuff like that. and the great courses plus dot com slash here we are. so uh, yeah, super excited about that and listen to audiobooks doing all that good stuff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm talking with Assistant Professor of Psychology at University of North Carolina Greensboro, Suzanne Versheck-Shellhorn, Everybody
1: in the house,
0: I nailed your name. You didn't did. I? You oh, did. bonus
1: points there. Whew,
0: I feel like I'm getting. <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I, you, you, I don't think you listen to my podcast, but there's a running thing. That's okay. I. Typically, I've been doing the podcast for four and a half years, and the thing that I'm still awful at is introing people. Most listeners don't know how bad I am at it because I have to stop and re-record, so they actually don't. They hear the, mm-hmm. the tenth try. Yeah, well, Versteeg uh,
1: Schalhorn is next level, so you did it really. A and, job. and
0: this on the first shot, I, I nailed a complicated well name. I'm I'm feeling so good about myself <laughs> right now as we're about to talk about anxiety and depression. Yeah. I didn't shower yet today because I just wanted to be in the spirit. I I wanted to. <laughs> this is like method interviewing um, that I that I'm doing, and um, and I've uh, we're in luck because I've been having. I, I usually don't have anxiety issues. Uh-huh. I've been having a relentless amount of anxiety issues for like the last 3 4 weeks or so so i feel like i'm really like tapped into the spirit of this and i'm pulling out of a major major depression um so i I've, so I've, i had that recently uh this is unusual for me i have a lot of depression issues i went since last um march I went almost an entire year without a long stint of depression. That yes. might not sound. No, great. that's
1: pretty. That's pretty that's, good. I was. Re- that's pretty I don't, good. I don't
0: think that's ever happened in my life. I was real pumped about it. What and do you then, attribute that to? Um. Well, I. Few different things. Um. I think I just kind of. Usually, what happens with a lot of my depression, it seems, is. I'm at the end of a tour, or at the end of, I, I put together several like themed shows. I, I finish a project. Okay. And then I kind of don't know what, you're what the next thing is going next. to be. There's
1: the, the letdown yeah. after the mountaintop. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I've yeah. I've climbed so many mountains. Yeah. And yeah. in in case for anyone out there that's just been kind of climbing the same mountain their whole life and they're like, Once I get to the peak, this thing's right. gonna be amazing. Uh-huh. And you and you just have that yeah. vision. Yeah. Um well, spoiler alert, let me tell you what's at the summit of Mount Nowhere. It's it's a bottomless pit of want. And <laughs> there's just lots more mountains to climb after that really i feel like uh i wish i would have known earlier in life i don't know if i didn't listen to this because it's just like something quilted on a on a, a, a like my grandma's decorative pillow or something like that but like life really is much more about the journey than the destination i knew you were gonna say that i, had, know, as, I, had,
1: I had that like written on a rock a successories rock
0: yeah yeah it's I've, so was lame
1: given in high school as a present um, yeah, success is a journey, not a destination. Something it, it like that. It is so lame. Yeah, but it's I, really. I think there's a lot of wrong. wisdom <laughs> I,
0: w- within it. If you if you have something that like keeps you motivated and keeps you going, and so so a lot of times I won't even necessarily have like uh, say a negative thing. How like you know here and there I have like a lot of financial uh, instability, which is you know a major for for most people that's a uh, well, yeah. that has to be one of the leading cause stressors out there but um but sometimes things can just be going great for me but i can have uh you know i have like five different options of where i'm going to go next and i feel like depression is just like pumping the brakes being like well let's sit back and
1: think Mm -hmm. about this
0: for a while before we expend a bunch of energy Mm -hmm. going forward in the wrong direction that's where i feel a lot of my depression and and certainly uh, it seems like this last one was, but I also I overbooked this tour that I'm on, and I got a little burnt out. I was, I felt like I was kind of cramming for finals or something. I never yeah. went to college, but what it, what I think. And then I just collapsed.
1: Right. And then I right. started
0: watching a bunch of TV, and like binge watching TV okay. makes me feel like absolutely miserable.
1: That'll do it.
0: And then I hate That'll myself for watching a right? bunch of TV. Right. And I have like all these shows. I got a book, but now I can't do anything but watch TV, and I beat myself up for. It. So that's my whole. I know you didn't ask to be my therapist today, um, but I, I, I figured I'd at least I'd at least set you up, let you know where uh, where I'm coming from. I feel like a lot of times um, my my podcasts and some of these ideas connect the most with people when I can make them a little personal and share some of my own uh, stuff with people. So so that's uh, that's just yeah. just we're just meeting each other now. You know a little bit about me.
1: Well, a lot of people have depression. The estimates are, you know, between maybe sixteen and twenty five percent, depending on when you're looking at the data, um, what age group you're looking at. Tends to be twice as common in women as men, but plenty of men have it too. Mm. And it's actually the number one. Um, I feel like it's like burden. Burden. <laughs> my feminine side. That's like
0: that's like a real yeah, I'm like a feminist. You know, I get real depressed. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I cut you off to make a that's stupid okay. joke. <laughs> You, you said yeah, that's the it's actually
1: one. the number one public health burden um, in terms of costs of any physical or mental health condition
0: Wh- in the U.S. What do you mean in terms of cost? Are they yeah. are they factoring in like lack of productivity in yes. the workplace? Yes, lost their-
1: productivity, treatment costs, and um, lost years of life due to suicide. Mm. Hmm. Because it tends to affect young people, and so when you have a loss of life due to suicide, that's a lot of years of lost productivity. How are
0: the what I don't understand these calculations? What are I don't they? either. I don't do
1: them. <laughs> I just cite them. What are they? How are they how are you I know, comparing you possibly... years of life I, yeah, to nope. and then
0: you're and then you're throwing productivity <laughs> in there? Those are two is is that maybe you're getting X amount of productivity per year out of the average person something and something like that. Then you're losing a Huh. Um I have a question. What is the difference between being depressed and just having like a little kind of slight existential crisis you're just like mm-hmm. i'm just sitting you know i, I like to right. think i'm a fairly thoughtful guy sure. the thought's gonna cross my mind like hey what's the point of any of this mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. that thought's gonna, why are we here <laughs> yeah why sure. are we here what yeah. does any yeah. of this even matter right. Right. aren't right. these natural uh, thoughts yeah. for some people to have do you, do you yeah. think that
1: they are common thoughts for people to have and i often get this kind of question about well what's the difference between just having some deep thoughts versus or 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 just feeling really stressed right where's that line between um stress and a depressive episode so what i'm going to say about that is it really is a continuum Right. And to think about things in bins is not always helpful. It's a dimension. Oh, we are, are
0: anti bin. Oh, here fantastic. On the here we fantastic. No, we very yes. interdisciplinary. <laughs> the whole web yeah. of causation yeah. and every yeah. this sea of chaos that we're trying to stay afloat in. We, we're mm. always exploring all that. So,
1: so I want to think about it on a, on a continuum. It sounds like we're on the same page there. Yeah. And we are looking for signs of distress and impairment that accompany um, depressed mood, like feeling sad and down in a way that persists, even empty. Like someone might not say that they feel sad, but just feeling empty. Um, Or feeling unmotivated. That's the other big one. Um, In a way that really persists and doesn't abate and once we hit, you know, most of the day, nearly every day for about two weeks, if you follow the DSM, that's going to be where we draw the line, that plus some other symptoms. And we say that's a depressive episode. But there's such thing as a minor depressive episode. And if you're someone who's had depression in the past, it's not a bad idea to get some eyes on that or pay attention more yourself when you see, you know, it's like half the day and it's been a couple days in a row. hmm
0: yeah, I would say that I have a lot of anhedonia, where I don't, I wouldn't say that I like hate yeah. life or myself or yeah. anything, just like kind of a blah, like nothing's really doing it for me. I, I'm just, just a, a chronic kind of indifference sometimes. Like I remember I saw a guy recently with a neck tattoo that said, destroy, destroy, <laughs>
1: thinking about getting one of those (laughs) no
0: but it was like it was jarring first off he had he was like scrawny like me he had like my exact build and I know with my body type you aren't destroying much (laughs) of anything second he was in a soaking pool, <laughs> like a public soaking pool, which is like that's the and uh, you know, it's a very relaxed, like very disruptive. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to try harder to be and destructive. So it caught my eye because I was like, "Wow, that's a real doozy of a tattoo." That's a that's go big or go uh, home. Right? Yeah, that guy needs a hug. But I part of me was like, "Man, I wish I cared that much about life that I was like that upset about the system or whatever he is upset about." Whereas I just have like a very uh, uh i would say chronic indifference is uh mm-hmm. a, is mm-hmm. a strong uh, uh it, yeah. yeah i should
1: probably tell you at this point i'm actually not licensed to practice in this state uh
0: no that's okay <laughs> i i'm sorry i do this <laughs> a lot okay. <laughs> I, I i often mistake scientists for therapists and uh, again i like to i like to let the audience know about my personal life to make it a little more accessible so go on so so a lot of people's where's anxiety fall in terms of yeah
1: so that's a great question so i'm more of a depression researcher than an anxiety researcher but what i can say about that is that it seems for all the world like depression and anxiety are um like two peas in a pod they um they seem to form this uh latent risk factor or latent um construct That we call internalizing, Mm -hmm. which is one of the primary dimensions of psychopathology, of mental illness, the other one being externalizing. So we have internalizing, turning pain inward. We see it in anxiety, depression, um, and externalizing, which is more like acting out impulsive behaviors related to addiction, antisocial personality, and the like.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I wonder if I have a mix in there. I, I, they
1: are I, positively correlated.
0: Both are. Positively they are positively
1: correlated. There's there's a lot of research ongoing. I know you'd think so. You think that they kind of, um, you know, are mutually exclusive, but they're positively correlated at a pretty high level, like 0.5. Hmm. And there are some researchers who are trying to determine whether there's actually a higher order general psychopathology. Um, factor but when you put that in the statistical models things get a little bit wonky Hmm. so for now i'm just banking on the internalizing and externalizing Hmm.
0: yeah well i because i when you said externalizing i was picturing um like angry temperamental people or something like that and i'm not that but i've had plenty of substance abuse problems
1: that's interesting. So, yeah, substance use would be externalizing. There's something called intermittent explosive disorder, which has is that, is that term. really irritable, kind of like lashing out, mm-hmm. like anger management kind of issue. And what I'm told by the people who do that research is that it actually loads more heavily on the internalizing kind of cluster, which I would not have predicted initially.
0: Because is it that people are bottling these things up and then the pressure becomes so great they're exploding or? I mean. Who knows?
1: uh, Yeah, it's really not my area. So at that point, (laughs) your guess is as good as mine.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me, it seems like anxiety is not causing the same lack of productivity around the workplace. I I feel like, I, I know a lot of academics, I feel like academics tend to lean more toward the anxious side yes. of things
1: yes and occasionally super narcissistic
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but uh you know anxiety is is can also kind of be like the successful person's yes. disease yes
1: so of all the personality disorders all of the traits in the personality disorders a little dose of obsessive compulsive personality disorder symptoms actually predicts um, better productivity whereas all the other ones predict impairment hmm yeah, so, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, what are what kind of studies are you doing?
1: So, we do a couple kinds of studies. Um, I study the pathway from stress to depression, um, and uh, one of the uniting factors in all the different kinds of work that we do, whether it's cortisol research, genetics research, lab-based stress research, naturalistic stress research, like what's happening, what kind of stressful life events are happening to people. The uniting factor is we're trying to predict or, or trying to discern what are the personal characteristics that predict a negative response to stress exposure. And I want to be clear that I'm differentiating um, stress exposure, like perceived stress, from the stress response. We want to decouple those. Okay. Yeah, so that's generally the kind of work we do. Um, one of the things we're working on right now is um, – replicating our evidence for a cortisol reactivity threshold model yeah tell
0: me more yeah
1: do you want like the full origin story of this beast
0: yeah i do yeah and when also i wanted to ask quick um when you talk about personality differences sure are you talking about like the big five personality survey or uh so
1: again not my area of research just sort of a factoid i picked up you know in this, in this area. But so you can map p- the personality disorders onto the big five. For example, um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder would be like super high conscientiousness, right? And probably some negative affect um, and maybe like l- low openness to experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh- – but, but when you're, stu- what are you using to study the personality
1: Yeah. So we, if you're not using oh, big five. Um, so that's not actually my research oh. at all. No, it's just something I was mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you were right about how anxiety actually, in some ways, is beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Whereas depression is pretty much just pathology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes feel like when I'm super depressed, I get very creative ideas. Hmm. But, that's interesting. Uh,
1: um, Huh.
0: But I don't know. I huh. again. I'm okay, more I'm not pro- sure
1: what to make of that.
0: Well, I feel like my my thinking is is that we have these these various patterns in in our lives, and and we have these kind of similar, um, yeah, just thought patterns and ideas that were that. Uh, we're habitually thinking about, and when I'm in the deepest, darkest bit of of depression, and like in my darkest place, I feel like then none of those I'm no longer attached to any of those things because nothing matters anymore. And within that, um, I find novel connections that I wouldn't otherwise make. And then usually. I get that's what like pulls me out. That's of a what pulls you out. depression. That's, is I I have this new well, idea. That's that fortunate I get that's fortunate. I'm very excited what about. What <laughs> pulls you out? Usually,
1: when when most of us are stuck in our negative emotion, our our thinking gets really fixed. It's just the opposite. We get like this rigidity in our thinking, hmm. and we can't shift. Hmm. So I've heard of creativity associated with like mania and hypomania, but not usually with depression. So that's.
0: I'm bipolar. Okay, I should, so that okay, uh, well, that helps.
1: That, okay.
0: <laughs> so so does that clear things? That up That does a clear bit? things okay. up. Yeah. Um, all right. Good. Well, I, I'm glad that uh, that it all makes sense with my um, uh, with my condition. All right. Origin story. For, yes. your, for your research. Yeah.
1: So um, I started doing cortisol reactivity research mm-hmm. um, on my postdoc, the last year of my postdoc, to set myself up for starting a a faculty job, you know, get things rolling, um, have something, you know, new to put out there quickly. And the rationale for this work is that we want to, again, characterize what are the personal characteristics in individuals, whether they're personality traits, whether they're um, genetic risk factors, whether they're cognitive risk factors like rumination. What are those characteristics that predict A negative response to stress and in this case we want to capture stress in the lab and we want to look at um, cortisol reactivity as an index of um, that stress response Mm -hmm. so um, one um, set of findings that caught my eye there was some evidence that a particular genetic variant in the serotonin system um, on the 2c receptor one that's not studied terribly often that it was predicting greater cortisol responses to stress in two papers. And they were really small samples. And I said, oh, my goodness, how are they finding this effect? This must be a massive um, effect size if they're going to see it in these small samples. Um, and, and then to find it twice is just shocking. And I told a friend about it. And uh, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at this. Maybe you should look at this, too. Maybe we should look at it in some other data. And so we were getting set up. And I should if you guys talked about... Um, lab-based stress much on your podcast in the past
0: a little bit uh i, I mean let, let's assume that uh people haven't for, heard about for it s- for some people this is the yeah. first episode of here we are that they're listening to
1: so we use a modified version of the tree or social stress test which is a really common stress manipulation um in the lab so that we can give a controlled dose and a, a stressor that has the same kind of characteristics across all people um and this involves five minutes of preparation period, where participants are told to prepare a five-minute extemporaneous speech, and then they do math out loud for five minutes. And we actually amp it up just a little bit. We have um, negative evaluative judges that they present to
0: mm.
1: in um, some of our some of our work, um, and we're also very cautious to build in lots of safeguards. For the well-being of these participants, protection after protection after protection, so that you know nobody gets upset doing this. Mm. Um, and so, it, so it's a difficult manipulation. And so, so what would you predict? I'm curious. What would you predict if you know that depression is provoked by stress? You know that cortisol is involved in depression. Mm-hmm. You know that cortisol gets out of whack during depression, and you know that these prior work showed that this particular genetic variant predicted greater cortisol reactivity to the lab-based stressor what would you think you'd find
0: um i have no idea i (laughs) i I mean (laughs) i i guess uh i i guess i would find i i would think that um is it that that depressed people are
1: oh. oh, I forgot to tell you one thing. They're all healthy. We exclude depressed participants. Oh. Yes. That's critical. Oh. They're all healthy.
0: Okay. So we're yeah.
1: just looking at the role of the genetic variant. Because we uh, want to see the system when it's functioning at its best. Okay. Or, you know.
0: So the the genetic variant and again, can you explain that one more time?
1: So this is a genetic variant in in the serotonin two C receptor. And um it's x-linked so women have two copies of this gene men have one copy of it and it it if depending which variant of c or g which variant the person had um, in the prior work if they had the risky version it was predicting much more cortisol reactivity to that lab stress manipulation okay okay
0: so I guess so, that, and, it's, and it's a depression.
1: That. It's a depression risk factor. We there's other work that shows it's a depression risk factor that might help.
0: Okay, so what are you asking? Yeah, exactly. So I'm
1: just wondering what prediction you would make.
0: That that uh... because
1: here, here's why I'm asking okay. you this, because I was so wrong. Now okay. I'm giving it away. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm gonna have egg on my face, you're gonna have egg on your face too.
0: So I would predict that they would be more yes that's exactly
1: you'd think they're more stress sensitive cortisol is a stress hormone right well sort of and so i was so wrong so wrong it predicted markedly less cortisol reactivity, like this flat, blunted pattern. And then the folks who didn't have that variant had this massive cortisol response. Hmm. And we were, I mean, my grad student Brad Avery and I were just scratching our heads trying to figure out what's happening here. He's the first author on the paper.
0: Hmm. So they were getting less stressed in these situations.
1: Well, so there's the kicker. We're often tempted to um, say that cortisol is stress, and it turns out that's that would be true if you were thinking of cortisol as a stress hormone exclusively, but the sneaky thing about cortisol is it's really a resource-mobilizing hormone. Like I know you talked with Robert Sapolsky, and he yeah. talks about how it's like... T- it's to motiv- mobilize that zebra for three minutes to you know run like heck yeah. from you
0: want to delegate that energy away from all the long term right. processes. Yes, and, and, and
1: put it into your short term processes. Mm-hmm. You know, release your insulin so you can use your blood glucose. Blood glucose. Yeah. Focus your attention. Ready your muscles for action. Um, so, for example, you wake up in the morning. You get a surge of cortisol. You're off to exercise, you get a surge of cortisol. You go on a podcast, you <laughs> probably get a surge of cortisol.
0: Oh, we should test this. Yeah, I, should. I, I wish we could have, <laughs> I wish we would have taken some levels before, during, and after. That would have been fun. Um, yeah. By the way, in terms of waking up, doesn't cortisol start releasing before? You wake up, it's like part of.
1: Clearly, you have talked to people about this before. Yes, it does. Yes, you start the day at already high levels, and then you get this 50 to 60% on average increase on top of that called the cortisol awakening response. Hmm. On average, and then it declines throughout the day until some point when you're sleeping.
0: And don't depressed people have less of this cortisol activation in the in the morning? That like-
1: one's complicated. So what we think is happening is that when you're actively depressed, um, yes, you're going to have a smaller, flatter cortisol awakening response. Probably a flatter slope across the day. Maybe those evening levels stay kind of high. Um, So that it looks like that rhythm loses its springiness.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, But the timing is critical. If you catch people before they get depressed, whether it's a first onset or a recurrence, a larger cortisol awakening response prospectively predicts depression onset.
0: Really? Mm Mm-hmm
1: the opposite of what is going on when people are sick we think now i will tell you uh, i'm, I'm oh, just a yeah. little confused
0: okay yeah. so so this is so the opposite's happening so people that are if i'm understanding this right so so people that are that are waking up with higher levels of cortisol this is this is like a precursor to depression and then once depression starts they're waking up with lower levels of cortisol or am i mixing this
1: up yeah so i will say there's inconsistencies in all this work okay um so this is how i see it and if someone wanted to see it differently that would probably they could probably make a case for that that would be fair but i'll just tell you how i see it um that we see that that prospective association as um, an, a marker of engaged struggle, that you're, you need this mobilizing, this resource mobilizing hormone, cortisol, because you are engaged in confronting some kind of who knows what problem in the world, inside our heads, it's hard to say what exactly it is in every case, um, but people are engaging in, in struggle and they're striving. But at some point, and people who then go on to have depression, we think that that turns into some collapse, giving up, mm. a lack of behavioral activation, um, a disengagement, a pause to that struggle. Mm. They've decided to conserve resources instead of engaging in the struggle.
0: Hmm. Okay. That's uh – uh. So, so you try really, h- you get stressed, and you're trying really hard to.
1: That's what it seems like.
0: Fix things, and then you eventually go. I just can't. I give up.
1: That's how we. Un- that's how I, I understand the data that we have available to us.
0: Okay, I like a good give up. I, 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 I'll, I like. <laughs> I'll throw in the towel when I, I'm just like oh, whatever. I'm throwing it in. Uh, I I I don't mind. At first, it's relaxing, and then after a while, I'm like, "Oh no, my life's going." I I need to do things. I still need to be productive.
1: Yeah, if it were just giving up and you know taking a break, that'd be one thing. But the negative thoughts that come with it are just poisonous, right?
0: I, I was why why in the world I know this isn't necessarily you're not necessarily like an evolutionary biologist or a psychologist but why right. are, why are these things built into yeah. us in the first place what is the point of having right. these these negative thoughts I yeah. mean they aren't sometimes I feel I I, I like I I want to like I I remember having thoughts of like I want to smash my head against the wall because I had some sure. ruminating idea right. of some stupid thing that right. I like when I embarrassed myself in front of a girl that I liked like 15 Five, 10 years, years ago. prior right. or something right. like right. that. Right. Like, why will that well, not that's stop? that's not benefiting anybody. <laughs> right. I, I'm. Uh, you can see I'm sitting here. I, I never went you, through your, with smashing my my head into a wall.
1: Your, your head looks but, nice and round. What? Just for you know to reassure <laughs> listeners. Why even have
0: the thought? Who in the world yeah. would that be benefiting? No. That's not benefiting no. the individual no. having the thought. That's yeah. not benefiting anyone around them. No. How, yeah.
1: how in the world No, I'm definitely in the camp that thinks depression is just pure pathology, that it's yeah. not that it's not something that
0: it's not That's, functional. We were like not that.
1: selected on that in, like, microevolution terms. Like, right. That did not there make... There wasn't a lot of utility us, there But that for did it. not increase fecundity. That did not increase, like, offspring, you know, being depressed. Um, but I... Ha- so now I'm talking out of school. I'm going to talk way out of school. This is not That's, my area. Oh,
0: this is my favorite part of okay. the podcast is when people talk Just like, out of school a little okay, bit. Okay, good. But, yeah.
1: Good. So what my... Sus- and it's not entirely out of school, but my suspicion is that it is a side effect of another trait that has other benefits mm-hmm. that do confer positive things for for people, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so, for example, neuroticism is a risk factor depre- for depression. You don't really want to have high neuroticism like constant negative thinking, pro- propensity to hostility and anxiety and sadness and yada yada. But in populations with higher levels of neuroticism, you see greater growth of GDP. Hmm. You see more productivity. Um, And you kind of get the sense that, like, you can see and feel the problems around you. And you don't like them because of that, you know, little dose of negativity. Hmm. Um, So maybe there's a sweet spot there, right?
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: hmm. And here's another kind of piece of evidence that lines up with that in some of my gene environment interaction research um we we find that this risk factor that puts people at risk for depression following a major interpersonal stressful life event that that actually also significantly protects them when they haven't had a major stressful life major interpersonal stressful life event Mm. Hmm. Um, which, that that blew my mind. That blew my mind. That's a whole other can of worms.
0: So, depressed people are better prepared for uh, larger stressors? No,
1: that- uh, I, would, I don't want to say depressed people. This one particular risk factor predicted more depression following a major stressful life event among people who were starting out healthy. Oh, okay. Um, but it predicted less risk... Of a depressive onset in the absence Hmm. of a major stressful life event same people Hmm. um, in months where they had a recent major interpersonal stressful life event and in months where they didn't exact Hmm. same people opposite patterns of risk for depression Hmm. if you want to go down that rabbit hole
0: yeah i love rabbit holes Uh
1: uh-huh although we do have to loop back to the no, we'll cortisol. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good. So, that's differential susceptibility theory. Okay. The idea that um at least some of our our genetic variables that are related to complex disease like depression that they're not these genetic variables are not conferring risk purely they're conferring sensitivity to the environment for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone with more of that genetic risk, whatever that is, experiences a negative environment, yeah, they may suffer from it more. But if they experience a positive environment, they're going to be able to take that in more and benefit from it more. Hmm. I just never thought that we would see that in our um, in, in that genetic work that I did. Um because we really weren't looking for um, the the positive outcomes. And we really weren't measuring the positive aspects of the environment. Hmm. Do,
0: do you think that, uh, that sometimes higher rates of neuroticism come along with um, more self-awareness as well? Or are those things not... Well,
1: they do say that anxiety is the shadow of intellect,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like people that are just... Super happy-go-lucky all the time are seemingly a little bit ob- oblivious. Right. Right. Maybe that's an unfair judgment that I'm passing on them, but it it seems like it's a little bit of the case, and it, it also it, it sometimes I wonder because uh, I've had I've had people on talking about um, different subselves that that we've evolved. So you need. Uh, it, you have several different goals in life. You have to. Uh, you have an of self, sub-self, uh, status-seeking sub-self, uh, disease avoidance, uh, survival sub-self, uh, mate um, mate acquisition sub-self, of mate retention sub-self, of child rearing sub-self, and and we also we wear all of these different hats in our life too that sometimes I wonder if it's just like these different kind of sub-selves within us kind of arguing with one another and bidding for control and attacking one another. That's the way I feel sometimes because <laughs> back, back to it like it's, for example it, for me
1: it's just the the career and the mom sub self, and they're just <laughs> constantly at war.
0: <laughs> because there's, when uh, I talked about uh, uh, bashing uh, someone wanting to like bash their head against the wall, it is like a, a cliche where people will like slap themselves on the forehead sure. when they say something stupid but i always feel like that's um that's that's like the fr- prefrontal cortex that's the impulse control and... if you
1: were going to hit yourself anywhere in the head like don't take out that prefrontal cortex don't do it
0: unless you want to hit yourself more <laughs> then you so. take then you take out the boss i feel like it's like the the, <laughs> the primitive part of you trying to take out like the gatekeeper so you can punish yourself more <laughs> it's a silly idea but there I, I don't know i feel like there's something like that going on. You're never I like just,
1: hitting yourself in the back of the yeah, head. Yeah, exactly. Right? Not even the well, yeah. maybe the side of
0: the head sometimes, but. Snap to the always cerebellum, going right for that decision maker, like trying to take out that impulse control regulator guy. I don't know. I just it, I I know it's not not what you study, but I I definitely feel like there's there's some sort of internal conflict stuff going on there that's that's beyond just um the, like a hormone regulatory uh process but I, I i don't know maybe i'm wrong and i do i also i also tend to um think of things too much from an evolutionary standpoint and and depression does seem to be the one as far as i can tell i've i've never seen i've never seen a, a very convincing evolutionary no, story that it's for about
1: it. conserving energy or something like that God, I've never bought that. It's just miserable.
0: Yeah, I'm just plain miserable. That's all there is <laughs> to it. All right, you know. so let's let's uh, let's loop. Let's loop back. Yeah, let's loop back to your work. Where
1: did we leave off with the cortisol reactivity? You had some model?
0: surprising findings.
1: Yeah. So it predicted less reactivity, and we were really scratching our heads.
0: Yeah. So what does that mean ultimately? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, so. We're working on a replication and extension that should tell us more about the mechanism and, and the meaning-making part of it. So what I can tell you is kind of speculatory about what's going on. But the way that we resolve this, well, first of all, I reached out to those friends I had talked to, the ones I had told about this, this paper, and said, you know, did you look at that? And it turns out that my friend had looked at this. And he had found the same thing that my grad student and I saw. And he had actually told another friend and that friend had seen the same thing as well. Hmm. So now we have the initial two papers where there's a heightened response associated with this risky genotype. And we have three papers, or three, three samples rather, where um, we've got this blunted response And it was really, um, it was a golden opportunity for us to take a really close look at the methods, heterogeneity between these different studies. Hmm. And what we saw was that the manipulation in the early studies was really mild. And what that pointed out to us was, okay, oh my gosh, first of all, the field really takes for granted that all these stress manipulations are the same or that they're, they're all tapping the same constructs. They're all manipulating the same things, and they're not necessarily doing that. Um, So it was a really mild manipulation. And when we put the pieces together, what we thought was happening was that um, folks who are at risk for depression are going to detect and interpret and see threat at higher levels, um, at all levels of stress exposure, So when they hit our moderate, when they hit that moderate mild severity stressor that the other lab used, they see it as a significant challenge. And they're like, I can do this. I can do this, right? Meanwhile, those lower risk folks don't really see it as a challenge. They're, you know, they're just like, You know, I'm not going to engage in this. This is not really anything to worry about. It's too easy. I'm just sort of narrating what I imagine might go through their heads. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the difficult condition that we use, what we think was happening is that our higher risk folks see it as overwhelming. Right. They appraise that threat super high. They see it as overwhelming and they decide to conserve Somehow, implicitly, not necessarily overtly, they decide to conserve those resources and not to mobilize. And so you don't get that cortisol response. You know, if you're thinking about cortisol as a resource-mobilizing hormone, you don't get that big cortisol response. Meanwhile, our lower-risk folks finally see this as worth rising to the challenge for. Mm-hmm. And they see it as doable, and so then they mobilize their cortisol response hmm. at the more robust level of difficulty.
0: Hmm. So depressed people are just like much easier to uh, to throw in the towel, basically. That's what
1: people who are at risk for depression, yes, are, okay. yes, and it, so there's a couple things that could be going on. Um, that might tell us about how stress is provoking depression, how these stress-related systems are involved in the pathway to depression. So it could be that in the real world, folks who are at higher risk for depression, they're experiencing plenty of those minor, mild stressors, because those are pretty common. Um, And so they're having more times that their cortisol is elevated. Um, And it might, in a causal fashion, destabilize the system. A little bit and make it vulnerable to those later major stressors so that's one possibility that's kind of an active possibility another possibility is that it's just a marker of risk hmm. and it's a marker of that person who's going to hit that severe stressor and pull back instead of attacking hmm.
0: Hmm. yeah that's that's fascinating i huh as i'm as i'm trying to make everything pr- about about me again i'm <laughs> thinking of examples for my own life but I, i've been a i've been a hair toward the sensitive side i'd say lately where i'm just hyper vigilant for anything that's wrong in any regard i just had a, a couple nights ago i had a show where they put um they meant that the doors open at seven, but they put seven o'clock for the show time,
1: oh, and a b- no. bunch of people so showed, showed up, up early six. and
0: like showed up at like six so, thirty. like, Damn. what? You can't put seven. website. Right, on the webs- a- right.
1: And- when really you mean the show starts at. Eight. Yeah,
0: you can't do that. No. And uh, well, I'm glad that you're because I was kind of feeling like a jerk because I was like, how, what? It, but, but it was like, oh no, that's, but that's, something like that affected me. Right it is douchey. And then, and then like people are like mad at me about it, right. you know? And this reflects poorly on me. And then I go in the bathroom and they have a poster and it's not the poster for the stand up science show. It's a poster for with my face Shane Moss and and I want him to advertise the correct show that I have I'm like,
1: ah, and I'm picky picky and I
0: know and, and so but it, but I'm yeah. I, I even noticed it as I'm reacting I'm like this is an inappropriate response to the actual right, issues right. that are occurring like none of this stuff yeah. is the end of the world at all but my my response to it was just so inappropriate what about yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't, if it was impairing in some way, I don't know. It, I'm not sure if your response was inappropriate. Okay. If you say it was, maybe I'll believe you. But just it you seemed know, a little a dramatic. Okay.
0: <laughs> I. Uh, what do you think? What's going on with the? This would be a hard thing to study, but I. I, I wonder what your take is on it with with all of your. Um, knowledge of the stress response what about the straw that breaks the camel's back i i'm really interested in what's going on there let me share a fun story with okay. you okay i went through this uh, pretty bad injury listeners have had to hear about it all uh, a bunch yeah the,
1: my big break right yeah Both two broken feet oh, hiking wow. accident
0: Jeez, you really did yeah, your okay. research yeah yeah so all that happened um and then and i was going through a, i i got a I got a bone infection, needed another oh my God. Uh, surgery from it, and I had to. And then they like sent me home to like care for myself, and I had to like clean out my own. I had to like clean my own bones oh. and stuff, and like put on this wound back. I had to put use my own IVs and antibiotics. I could like. Barely shower. I'm like hopping around on one foot, and I like got to make sure I'm not getting this thing wet, and it's this whole nightmare situation. And uh, you know, I'm managing and, mm-hmm. and coping with it. And then I was like, uh, on my way, I had to get to a show, and I'm like, I it just, you know, everything yeah. was going wrong. Yeah. And and I went to, uh, you see, like this little loop on the back of my shoe here for yes. helping put on the yes, shoe. I have- I I go I go to like put my finger in that loop to put on my shoe and it, and it breaks and I just like lost it Oh yeah lost I just it couldn't.
1: Well clearly <laughs> clearly we need to alert um, adidas and nike that their shoe loops are causing like significant You're,
0: it's breaking <laughs> people it's just... it's
1: obviously the cause of depression but right?
0: but this is yeah. like it, yeah. so 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 someone you take an individual this happens all the time to right. people sure. where you t- where you take an under yes. individual that is in a very difficult situation right. yeah. that's under stress they're managing it they, they are, uh, you know, right. they're they're right. staying on top of their things. They're doing yes. what they need to yes. do. Their car's broke down. Everything's falling apart. They can't keep up with the bills, right. but they're yes. they're managing. Right, and, and then, then the shoe breaks. The, this unexpected yes. tiniest stupidest little thing happens and it's just that it's over for it's over. It. What, yeah. what what do you think's going on there yeah. if you had to i, I know yeah. i'm asking you to speculate yeah. here this isn't that's okay for the listeners this isn't this isn't like a study that that we're <laughs> we're talking about but but it, do you have a guess as yeah. like hormonally yeah. or, or anything else what's going on with cortisol levels or anything yeah. at that yeah. moment so what
1: i want to what i really want to say about this is that yeah. that's a that's a major stressful life event right there and a chronic stressor, yeah. right? Um, and both of those predict risk for depression, right? Now, major stressful life events tend to predict an onset within, you know, three months or less of the event starting, but major stressful life events can also really change your chronic stress levels and it can stick around, right? Right. Um, and I think right there what you've got is this massively heightened, like latent level of risk mm-hmm. um, for a depressive episode. And you can't see it because the person is functioning, and right? And we, if we think about depression as yes or no, you're really not going to see it. If you look at maybe their symptoms, you might see a little bit of an elevation. You might see that struggle. So I'm going to predict, of course, they they are engaged in that struggle. They've got that. Probably that heightened cortisol awakening response or a variable cortisol awakening response where some days it's high and some days it's like, I'm just not getting out of bed, Mm -hmm. right? And because that latent level is just so high, risk level, it just doesn't take much to put people over the top, Mm -hmm. whether that's over the top is just an outburst or it's like, you know what? My shoe broke and tomorrow I'm not getting out of bed and it's not happening and here we go. Mm
0: Mm-hmm hmm uh that's, that's just a really um interesting part of, of of the human condition i feel like i've had a lot of relationships uh, like that oh i just i i had a, a joke i think is on my first album where like you know uh, uh you're in a relationship and there's just that last little thing where it's like you've never seen back to the future <laughs> This is over. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and it's the last it's draw. It's always just that last little
1: thing. <laughs> it was going so well until all of a <laughs> yeah, sudden. Yeah. I
0: know, but it's like, it's it's so interesting that it's like that that we endure so many huge things. It's true. And then it's just it's that true. tiniest little annoyance. Um, um, yeah.
1: I will say it is remarkable how resilient human beings are. Mm-hmm. We often think about stressors as like invariably precipitating depression, but that would be the wrong way to think about it. Like really the 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 typical response, you know, after feeling crummy for a while, is to be resilient and to bounce back. Mm. Yeah.
0: You can take a pass on this next question if you want. We're gonna we're gonna get into some taboos out there. What do you think about? What are your views on current pharmacology when it comes to antidepressants and anxiety? Oh, or, I will
1: take that one on. Uh, I will take that on head on. <laughs> so yeah, sure, that's a fraught question, um, but this really gets into well, what do we think is the underlying neurobiology of depression? Um there there's for a long time been this idea in the you know popular press and in commercials and advanced by pharmaceuticals that low depression causes or sorry, I'm so sorry, low um low you serotonin. should be <laughs> <laughs> low serotonin causes depression. Obviously, like I'm certainly not going to think that's causing depression independently of you know, people's environment, they're the stressors they experience and whatnot, but that wherever it comes from that they arrive at low serotonin and that's depression. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that idea and there's actually this competing hypothesis now um, that high serotonin is what's causing depression. So people tend to agree that serotonin's involved. There's There's not a huge camp out there that says, nope, serotonin's really not involved. It's it's like folks that are saying, nobody really buys this. It's purely low serotonin anymore. There's been some studies where, you know, you can't really sample brain levels of serotonin, like as it's firing, you can't get that in awake behaving humans, right? Or alive humans for that matter, not safely. But you can sample blood from the jugular vein. Um, and you can look at the level of serotonin metabolites and the crazy thing was i mean we were looking at that to try to validate this low serotonin idea because there's i think evidence for low norepinephrine in depression but it actually turned out to be high serotonin Hmm. metabolite in the depressed folks um, which was really sort of a game changer for how we think about it Um, but the high serotonin hypothesis in my view does not completely square either Hmm. And so it
0: aren't there more complications too like is this a matter of, of uh, serotonin being released in higher low levels, or is this like a receptor issue? So is this a reuptake issue?
1: Part of the reason that the SSRIs are controversial, um, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors is because you know, we don't know how they work. We really don't know 100% conclusively why they work or even 90%. Not with good confidence. Why are they working? Um, their mechanism is such that they should result in more serotonin in the synaptic cleft to provide that signal. Um, but what they also might do is downregulate the whole system by overstimulating this negative autoreceptor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's possible that what they're actually doing is taking serotonin levels back down. Um, I think that is not well ironed out so come and talk to me in about five ten years and I'll see if I've tackled it
0: okay um yeah well I mean certainly I imagine there is promise in the i I, yeah. I, I do imagine that we might look back at this era in pharmaceuticals and be like oh my god we were monsters uh, and we had a lot of things yeah. completely wrong well, but there's also i i think there's Certainly a lot of promise. I, I yeah. very much believe in science. Yeah. and
1: Yeah, and I never would want to, you know, encourage someone to stop taking them if it's working for them. Um, what, what seems to – one of the reasons they're controversial is um, that they they tend to be tested on people for, you know, a matter of weeks and months, right, for efficacy. And then how long do we take them?
0: I think, isn't it like six weeks or something like that before they're even supposed to... Oh, before to... they're
1: even like three to six weeks before they're, you should get your peak efficacy, yeah. right? But we take them... Sometimes people take them for decades. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure and, the
0: question you're asking. Oh, sorry yeah, that, about that, sure. Yeah, that seems, that seems a little bit excessive to me.
1: It's just that it doesn't really line up with our safety and efficacy studies, right? Now, I will say in their favor... The most recent meta-analysis that I'm familiar with looked at the slope of improvement in depression symptoms um, comparing placebo versus a certain SSRI drug, and that slope of improvement is significantly better, particularly for people who have, um, uh, I think, moderate to severe depression, Mm. Um, looking at the slope for SSRIs versus a placebo Hmm. So there does seem to be some pretty good evidence that there's a significant benefit to people. Hmm. Um but you know again those studies are based on you know 12 weeks maybe a 6 month follow up mm-hmm. right?
0: man I'm I'm asking you so many things that are I'm, I'm asking you to talk out of school so much but it's it's all related uh just might not be exactly what you do because uh, you, you mentioned uh why zebras don't get ulcers and Sapolsky's work what do you think about the it, it, because it, the, the he talks a lot about we have these you know a, a zebra gets away from the lion and then it. And then it uh, has this parasympathetic response and dials down the stress response and the the energy goes back to normal and you're digesting digesting things and getting your sex drive back and long term processes, blah, blah, blah. and now humans have uh, we're just like not we're chronically activated because we can see so far into the future and we're thinking about our 401ks and and that sort of thing whereas whereas most species out there are kind of living in the moment a, a little bit more and mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and don't probably don't have the capacity to be stressing out about their retirement plans right. um do you think that uh, there might be um uh, when you say that this is kind of a a, perhaps a pathological thing do you think that it might be a mismatch uh with our modern environment like perhaps our ancestors were kind of living in a, a little bit more of a you know they had these real substantial threats and now in the absence of of these of being like chased by lions and tigers and bears oh my there's something much like allergies i don't know if you know the hygiene hypothesis i do Um, if if there's some like psychological um, hygiene hypothesis hypothesis parallel to Mm -hmm. this where where we're actually in an overly safe world in in Mm -hmm, some ways mm -hmm. um and and so the sensitivity Mm -hmm. um uh, uh, for our threat detection is is increasing and now i'm like the loop on my shoe is
1: broken (laughs) (laughs) and so we flip out over the small things because we fail to put in context you know that we shouldn't sweat the small stuff we are not exposed to the big stuff anymore
0: yeah because we've never been exposed to it yeah yeah Uh,
1: yeah that's a Fascinating hypothesis. Fascinating <laughs> hypothesis. I'd want to know. So as our world has changed, has the rate of depression then increased? And it seems like in the recent modern era, it has. But then people start talking about things like social networking and the, the breakdown of the family and changes in the way that people relate to each other.
0: I mean, it doesn't seem like, I, I don't know if this is studied, but are hunter-gatherer tribes that are still out there, are they showing any of these same rates of depression? I bet that they're not. If I had to guess, I would say that they aren't.
1: I i would be in the the hunter-gatherers have lower depression camp as well. But do we think it's because of their stress, or do we think it's because like they're more physically active? Oh, yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh. So many, I know, so many confounds here. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay, I I need to uh, start wrapping up here in a moment. So first off, for my last question for you, what is I have my guests each week plug yes. a nonprofit of their choice. Yes, do you have one in mind?
1: Yes, um, I want to plug Greensboro's Backpack Beginnings, and this is a charity in Greensboro that makes food backpacks to give directly to children in need to tide them over um, the weekend where they may have food insecurity apart from like school lunch assistance programs. They also um, make comfort backpacks for kids who may have been displaced from their homes, may um, have immigrated, may be entering foster care for the first time. And so those will have um like security blanket or stuffed animal hygiene items um, and the like.
0: That's fantastic. And everyone can go to the Here We Are website and get links to that as well. And lastly, because you are such a good sport, I have a, I do have kind of a nasty habit of, of going off on tangents of kind of related to the subject matter, but, but outside of what you actually (laughs) study, which I'm sure is annoying to some guests and you rolled with it very well. Uh, what regarding your specific uh, research, what are you the most excited about? Upcoming.
1: Oh uh, wow! Uh, yeah, so it's actually two things. Can I give two answers? Of course, okay. you can give
0: eight if sure. you'd like.
1: Sure. So, part one is we are really excited to try to replicate the evidence we found for this cortisol reactivity threshold model. This idea that um, we there's a systematic individual difference in terms of where each person has. Um, their peak of cortisol reactivity in terms of what level of objective stress they react to. Um, And we're trying to show that um, these risk factors do predict heightened appraisal at every level, but that at some point the relationship between that appraisal and that cortisol reactivity and that behavioral activation, that it just completely flips and instead of this heightened activation, that they we get this really like suppressed level of activation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm really excited about. And the other thing is, I'm really excited about this um, multi locus genetic um, risk profile score work that we're doing. Um, and that's the work that produced the differential susceptibility. Um, evidence that I told you about where this it's a serotonergic genetic risk variable and it predicted both heightened risk to in the face of recent interpersonal major stressful life events, but also a protective effect in the absence. I'm really excited about that research um, because we know that it's not just one genetic variant that is going to put people at risk for a condition. It's many contributing small effects. And this is one way that we can capture it. And what I'm scared about is that um, the scientific community is not going to continue to pursue work that uses really high-quality measures of stress to gauge stress levels. And to include that in these large genetic samples, if we ignore stress, those protective effects and those risky effects may well cancel out and we may completely miss the genetic influence that's going on. And whether or not we miss it or we detect it as like a slight protective effect or a slight um, um, risk-enhancing effect in the absence of considering stress, that's an empirical question. Um, But it's a gamble that I think is too big to take. The exciting thing is that um, uh, some friends of mine and I, um, Lisa Starr at Rochester University, um, it's actually her first author paper under review. She's been able to replicate this effect a third time. We had two samples in our first paper, and she's been been able to show it a third time and to show um, that there's some specificity for major interpersonal stress.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for what you do such important stuff like you said up to 25 percent of people suffering from depression those are incredible numbers. probably higher percentage of listeners on my podcast with depression I talk about depression quite a bit it's my target demographic is is depressed people it's a lot of as a comedian you you want to get people that have a hard uh, an even harder time leaving their house than the average uh, person and so uh, so this is an important topic for everybody so thank you for what you do. Susan Vershak shallhorn Very
1: good. Yeah! Did it again. Are well we going to high five? <laughs> Woo!
0: Alright. And thank you listeners for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. On the next Here We Are podcast, we got a b- b- bonus episode. The first bonus episode. This one's for June. Hoping to do one a month should be a breeze with how many I have stored up right now. Super excited to start doing this more. Here we are heading your way. I hope you guys are excited about that. Maybe you're like, four it. I was maxed out at four. That's all I can do. But for the rest of you, that is hopefully exciting news. I'm excited about it. And for any of you shaniacs out there that are just like, I just can not get enough of this guy's babbling what is he gonna be babbling about next well as i was mentioning i had um i tried to record like an autobiographical episode just by myself uh, to give a little background on myself and the here we are podcast i still plan to do that eventually um i recorded like an hour and didn't even come anywhere close to like scratching this i got through childhood and uh uh, didn't even get into comedy career stuff and and then here's the whole uh, how i got into doing science communication and like man do i want to release a three-hour episode and then i started i started uh second guessing some of the things that i was saying and just reflecting on my life was uh, i don't know was uh it's messing with my head a little bit but i decided why not stick that what i recorded so far uh just the hour-long thing i'm gonna stick it on patreon i'm still gonna do the full thing eventually don't know when no promises there but stick in the hour that i recorded on patreon for any that just can't get enough you can go to and uh, check me out on patreon and as always you can go to the here we are podcast.com website to get links to my patreon and that sort of thing and so, yeah, but next week on the bonus episode, I'm going to be talking to Janie Wilson. And uh, she is a psychologist at Georgia Southern University and does a lot of stuff with ego depletion and, and teaching and um, the psychology of teaching and just interesting. I, I like learning about learning. I, I wish that would have been... Something that would have that that should be like First grade you should learn about how learning works and that should be a regular class all throughout your education on how to Learn more efficiently how memory works that sort of thing Creativity I would love to see more of that kind of stuff But now you can hear a little bit of that as an adult educating yourself through the here we are podcast so tune into that thanks to libro.fm offer code here we are for three months of audiobooks for the price of one while supporting your local independent bookstore and the great courses slash here we are for a month free of the best online courses out there they are absolutely fantastic all you people into self-educating yourself like I am such a great resource so many different fields of interests that you can get into Um, I just took a I took a one-off on on mindful sex recently so there's all sorts of there's cooking classes there's like you can learn math you can brush up on history there's yoga classes, travel courses, and uh, most importantly for you listeners, I imagine so many amazing science courses in so many different fields that you can uh, get into and, uh, and that will help uh, your understanding of the stuff in this podcast and it's already helping this podcast because I'm learning much more and I'll be able to ask better questions and all that good stuff in the future so thanks to them for the support go to shanemoss.com to check out shows coming your way and i'll talk to you guys in a few days i guess because of the bonus episode those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorites today's outro music is brought to you by moon station burning
1: Podcast Network.